Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Brian O'Neill. This is the W2 Prison Break Show, the podcast to help you fire your boss and become the CEO of your own business in under 12 months. Happy New Year, everyone. Glad you're joining us today. I got a great guest for you today. If you've ever wondered, how do I work four hours a day? How do I set my life up to work four hours a day and then do what I want the rest of the day? We hear this a lot. We see this a lot. I've been curious about it. I, I, I tell you, I've had some reservations about it. I don't think it's true. Well, I've got a guy today, Jermaine Chatham, who's going to tell us about how he did it because he's designed a life, designed a business to work four hours a day, and he travels the world. If that's something that you're interested in, I want you to stick around to learn how Jermaine has built his business to do exactly that. Let's get right to it. I hope you enjoy the show. Jermaine, welcome to the W2 Prison Break Show. Glad to have you on. Hey, glad to be here, Brian. Folks, before we jump into today, Jermaine took the initiative and reached out to me on LinkedIn. Great place to meet people, guys. And he, he, we got him booked on the show. So I'm happy to speak with him. And we're going to talk about some cool stuff today about his business. He's an entrepreneur. But before we get into that, tell us about your W-2 job that you had and, and, and how did you get out of that? And why did you decide to get out of that? Well, I've had several W-2 jobs and I never liked them because I never liked bosses. I never liked working for somebody. I never liked the idea of someone telling me when to go home, when to show up, when I could take sick leave, when I can go on vacation. So I've always had a allergy towards authority and people telling me what to do. So I had to get out of it for the simple fact that I needed my freedom. And freedom is the ultimate expression of the human experience as far as I'm concerned. And so in order for me to really live and feel alive, I, I couldn't work under someone else's thumb anymore. And I was in financial services and, it, and there's nothing special about financial services. It's highly leveraged. And I realized that I can do my breed of financial services on my own. I don't need a corporation behind me to do it. And at the end of the day, I knew I had the realization that I was going to die someday. I didn't want to look back at 95-year-old Jermaine and say to myself, why didn't I pursue what I wanted to pursue? Why did I stay stuck and so small and so scared when there's really nothing to lose? And that was really my driving force that made me decide, okay, let's do it. Do my own thing. Lots of unpack there, but I'm going to just go and I'm, we're going to circle back to that because you said some awesome stuff that I hear all the time but you were able to break free, right? You were able to overcome some of those challenges. Like, you know, nobody likes authority. I don't, I don't think, right? The allergy towards authority, that's awesome. Nothing to lose. People think they got a lot to lose by starting a business. So what did you do? What business did you start? And how old are you, if you don't mind sharing, when you did? Yeah, so I started my own financial services business in 2015, and I was 36 years old. And what I do basically is I'm a deal maker. So I just partner with banks and I broker them finance deals. So I don't have to do anything besides be the middleman between the person that needs the lending or the loans to run their business and the banks that want to offer the financing. And so all I do is specialize within a particular niche in the medical space. And so we do a medical equipment loans. So just think of a doctor that needs to buy an ultrasound machine, right? Instead of me chasing after the doctors and say, hey, doctor, do you need to get a loan to buy the ultrasound machine? 
What I did instead, which is waste murder, is just partner with the ultrasound equipment sellers. And I become friends with them. And it's just the leverage model because then they send me all the deals I could ever want without me doing all the chasing. So I just realized there's no need to have a corporation to do what I did. And the time had come where I just couldn't, I couldn't bear, bear looking at myself anymore doing what I was doing for somebody else. You really align well with a lot of the stuff that we talk about on this show, which is you didn't go out and reinvent the wheel. You just took what you already knew how to do, what you were doing, realized, hey, I don't need these people. I can do this myself. The market already exists. The product already exists. The customers already exist. I don't know if you were doing exactly the same thing when you started your own business, but maybe talk a little bit more about that. I think a lot of people think they got to go out and learn how to do something different, like real estate or trade stocks, and they don't have time for that. So let's talk about utilizing what you already know how to do. And you obviously leverage that into a, a, a business and we're able to get out of your job. So expand on that more, Jermaine, please. I totally agree. I don't believe in reinventing the wheel. Just find a business model that's working that you know you could do. And like, for example, my business has 99.9% to do with people, just relationships. It has nothing to do with finance. This is literally fourth grade math. This is like, if you know how to tip your waiter, you know how to do my kind of finance. And so I realized my real skill set is just creating relationships with people that sold equipment and letting them know that, hey, I can help you sell more equipment while offering financing. Plus, obviously, it's tax deductible for the, the person that's buying it. It's kind of a win-win-win for all parties. I never decided to, like, like, people always think entrepreneurs have to be like Mark Zuckerberg and develop a new app or something or something extremely extravagant. I believe in boring businesses, but with sexy profits and a sexy lifestyle. For example, I'm in Argentina right now, and I basically traveled around the world full-time. So every two or three months, I travel to a new destination because I believe in financial freedom, time freedom, location freedom, and mental freedom. And if you pick a complex business model or something that has a lot of cogs in it, you're not going to have that, those freedoms because you're going to be spending hours and hours a day working. I work no more than a couple hours a day because I have a very leveraged business model. So my suggestion to most people is find something you understand, something that you, either you've already done or a friend has done or a neighbor's done, and you can wrap your head around it and just copy what they're doing, but add your own flair, your, your own particular way of doing it, but don't reinvent the wheel at all, ever. Yeah. Agree a million percent. I think a lot of people will also think, well, there, there's too many people doing that. Like the market's saturated. No, there's not. It's not too saturated. So I'm glad that you debunked that myth. Did you know that you wanted to travel before you left your W-2? Did you build a business to create this, to support this lifestyle that you wanted? No, I just wanted freedom. Just my own physical space. So if I want to work from home, I want to work from a coffee shop, whatever. I was living in Scottsdale, Arizona. And, but then once I got free, I realized on a trip to Italy, I took my mom there for her 60th birthday in 2016. And I was in Italy and I wanted to enjoy Italy, but instead I was working. And I was like, I got to button this up. So I have systems and processes in place where it's leveraged, where I'm not thinking, where I don't have to not enjoy Italy. I can just have the system run in the background. And I extended the trip and ran through all throughout Europe for the next three or four weeks and tightened up the system more and more and more. And this travel, this became a byproduct of me getting laser focused on this one business model. I've only done equipment financing my entire career. Yep. And I just got hyper focused on how can I make this as seamless as possible 
for me to get my life back, my time back while making more money. And the travel just became a byproduct of the freedom because when you travel around the world, you start to realize a lot of stuff about yourself, about the world, about uh, sheeple. <laughs> Everyone's a sheep and every country are just full of sheep. And it's kind of sad if you really step back and think about it, but you don't realize you're a sheep until you step out of the hurricane and you're like, oh shit, there's a hurricane over there. But when you're in the hurricane, you think it's normal. And uh, travel has given me that extra clarity about people just copy each other and they really never create a life that they want. They're just told to get a nine to five and then they're retire at 70 and then maybe you can go see the pyramids then. But then when I was in Egypt, I was watching people that couldn't even go down the steps because they're too old and too brittle to enjoy their retirement. So it's like, it's a backwards philosophy. You said you had nothing to lose. I can't tell you how many people say they, they think that they're going to die or something if they start a business, right? Which is nothing could be further from the truth. Did you do the both businesses at the same time? Like talk about the exit. You just kind of like, right the, you know, quit going and quit one day and go all in or were you building it up on the side and then you left? No, I, I just quit. I just quit. I put a, a date on the calendar uh -huh. and that date was December 28th of 2015. And I resigned that day. And I said, if you want me to stay, I'll stay two weeks in any transition, but it was not necessary. So I, that was my last day. And then the next day I started working and I, I started trying to find underwriters and banks to find deals for uh, a home for my deals. And, you know, there was six months of, I, I couldn't even get on board with any banks or underwriters. Mm -hmm. So I was just prospecting and, you know, talking to, to people that sold equipment, but I didn't really have a home for their deals. And I didn't tell them that, but I knew persistency in business is really the key. If, if you keep knocking on someone's door and calling them and emailing them sooner or later, they're going to realize, A, this person is not going to give up. So let me give them a shot. And B, if they are this diligent with their pursuit of me, imagine how well they're going to take care of my clients. And I just know how human nature is. I know how in the people business, there's nothing to sell but yourself. And I'm not really selling any products. So I didn't worry too much about, is it going to work? I knew it was going to work because it's worked for me for years and it works for my clients for years. So that worry is never a fear of mine. I agree completely. And, and on thought you said six months and that could seem like an eternity to a lot of people, but that's what it takes. You know, so a lot of the people that were calling from day one there, if they tell you no, it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't like you or they don't like your product. They're just not, they don't see the value or they're just not ready to do the thing that you're trying, that you're asking them to do at that particular time. But six months later, they could be ready and they remembered you because you were the only one that continued to call them, right? So, uh, I mean, you get it and you could apply that logic really to anything. Would you not agree? Anything. And because if you've got to remember, business is done with people, not companies. Okay. And humans are the only ones that buy from other humans. So as long as you're always in front of other humans that can potentially buy your thing, you're always going to win as long as you continue to do it. Yeah. I think that there's probably a, a, a misconception, a big misconception that you know, you got to, you know, I came from the oil and gas industry and you're in financial service. Like, hey, I, if someone's going to get a loan from me, I got to work for Chase Bank, right? It can't be, it can't be, you know, Jermaine, Jermaine's bank, right? But no, they're buying from you or they're getting the product or service from you. I, I, I think that's a big misconception that you have to work for this large corporation. You, you don't. Sometimes people like the smaller companies. Exactly. Why win so much business just for the simple fact that I'm one of the small guys? Because a lot of mavericks in the world, they feel like they're an underdog. And so then they relate to me. And if there is someone that doesn't relate to me because they think I'm too small, 
then perfect. We were never going to be a match anyways. So just find the people that resonate with you. And of all the people in the world, there's always going to be a large percentage that will resonate with you no matter what your personality is. Oh, I love that. So true. You're not going to be a fit for everyone necessarily. You're not going to align with everyone, but you don't need to, right? You, one of the things you said, which I wrote down at the beginning, when you started talking about your business, you said you niche down. Most people are afraid to niche down or whatever the proper term is. I always get them confused, but how important was that for your business? Because I think a lot of people are scared. Hey, I just need to sell to everybody who has a pulse. Talk about the importance of what you did. It's vital because if you think about finance, I could just, there's so many different financing products in the world. So then I niche down into equipment only, but then there's a bunch of different equipment. There could be you know, video production equipment, restaurant equipment, construction equipment, medical equipment. So I did I niche down into the medical space because I like the space. But then I can sell medical, all different types of medical equipment all over the country. And so the niching down is about you always start local. That's number one. Whatever you sell, start local. Because no matter where you go in the world, if I'm in Rome and I hear an American accent, there's an American. Or if I'm in Boise, Idaho, and I hear someone saying they're from Scottsdale. Hey, I'm from Scottsdale. We're automatically kindred spirits. So always start local, number one. Number two is once you start local, then you start niching down further and further. And so that's what I did. I started in Phoenix. And then I wasn't sure what type of equipment to go into. But as I started talking to more and more people in Phoenix, I realized I like the medical space. But then I niched down into the medical space, right? But then I even got clearer about medical stuff. I only do imaging equipment for the most part. So ultrasound, CT, MRI, that kind of stuff. And then even a level further is I'm not going to chase the doctors that need the financing. I'm just going to partner on the backside to the people that sell equipment because then they can send me multiple deals per week and I don't have to do any of the selling. They already find the buyer that wants to buy that just needs the money. So it's so seamless. I get 90% of my time back and everyone wins. Awesome, by the way. So you went down like five or six levels. Maybe I might have missed a couple. How long did it take you to figure that out, getting all the way down to this specific person? About a year. But the thing is, it's all about daily, daily iteration. So I have a philosophy. I call it win before noon. I work four hours a day before noon. And I do all my high leverage activity during that time. And during that time, for me, was just prospecting, reaching out to potential equipment sellers and finding out more about them. And as you do that day by day, over that first year, I started to get the lay of the land of like what's working, what's not working. And I started to get feedback. You have to always feel that feedback loop. And after the first year, I realized, oh man, you know, ultrasound equipment and just go after the sellers and just partner with the sellers and become friends with them. And they'll send me all the business I could ever want. I literally don't even have to close any deals. There's almost zero resistance. Because think about it. This is a psychological trick. Because if Dr. Smith is buying an ultrasound from Kevin, obviously Dr. Smith trusts Kevin because he's buying the ultrasound equipment. So whoever Kevin refers him to for the financing, they're going to trust me. It's just an inherent thing. It's almost like your audience, Brian. You brought me on the show. Your audience through you is going to trust me more and if I was just a stranger on the street. So always tap into these cognizant biases where you can develop trust without you really doing the work and you just are able to save a lot of time and a lot of headache. 
I'm very interested, and so is everyone else listening. I know it because I hear it all the time. You said that you you win before noon, so you work four hours a day. I think everybody wants that, right? I, I think a lot of people don't believe that that's true. Like, now nah, this guy's blowing smoke. He's crazy. So how do we get to the point where we're working four hours per week? I, I know you're going to be realistic. I know you're going to give realistic timelines. Sorry, four hours a day. Four hours a day, and we're able to. Now, not, not everybody may not travel because some of us have children, and we. But we want our time and our freedom back, which is why we're getting into business. So, how did you do it? Well, there's a couple of things. Number one, it has to be what you sell. You can't sell something with a lot of bells and whistles, because then it has too many points of failure. You can't have it be like a, a physical product, because now I got to do a demo. Like literally, it has, it has to be digital. Money isn't digital, and there's no bells and whistles with money. It's just, it's $700 a month and it's tax deductible. What's your question? There is no question. So that's number one. Number two is you have to think about who you're selling to. And this goes back to find niches that are highly profitable. If you think about financial services, you know, commissions can be, you know, five, five figures per deal. So you're making 10 grand on a $50,000 deal where I literally just send a couple of emails and you're getting paid. So you're not spending time. That's number one. So. And then lastly, it's how you do it. Never sell directly to your ideal customer or your ideal avatar. Just find partners that have a network of your ideal avatars and already have their trust. Become friends with them and make sure your product or service is a win-win-win. The incentives need to be aligned. That's why you work less than four hours a day and make multiple six figures per year and not really have stress. Because if you think about the business model, at least my business model, it's a win-win-win. Everyone is happy. There's no conflict. There's no, I'm not trying to sell anything. You already said you want to buy the ultrasound machine. My rep needs to sell equipment. I can help everybody facilitate this. So that's the thing I always love about brokered um, and brokering deals. And I thought about, you know, the real estate space, like the mortgage space. Mm -hmm. The problem with the mortgage space is... It's a similar model. The only problem is the emotional attachment that people have to their homes. And they are so finicky. They drag their feet. They hem and haw. They change their mind versus my business. It's cold, hard pieces of equipment. It's a utility. It just helps them make money. They don't care. They just know 700 bucks a month at 100% tax deductible. Great. Where do I sign? That's really getting the wheels turning. You're right. I know. I mean, some loan officers, I mean, they're never off their phones, right? Because it, it's 20, it's like a 24 seven business too. So you found that we're, we're talking about all the good stuff. I always like to give lessons as well. Any mistakes that, that you made, anything that you could go back and maybe do it differently? Any mistakes? Yes. The first mistake I made was fear is always my biggest mistake. And so what happened was when I first started to get traction with some of these, I call them MVPs, most valuable partners. And I'm starting to develop relationships with these guys that sold equipment and they would start sending me business and we had a great relationship. At the beginning, I didn't put the pedal to the metal quick enough when it comes to developing their network of other sales reps at their office. And the reason being is if I, if I have a relationship with Tim. And Tim has five other sales reps that do the same thing he does. I was scared that if I go to Phil, Mark, Sarah, and John at his office, yeah. that perhaps they hate Tim and somehow it's going to ruin the relationship with me and Tim. I took too long to start developing those 
extra relationships at their same uh, company. Mm-hmm. But once I got over that fear, that hurdle, that's when I put gasoline on my business because literally I would have every sales rep and every organization going through me because Tim loved me. And again, the whole reciprocity and the whole idea of like, if Tim trusts me and he's doing Tim's deals, then I should work with Jermaine. And it was just fear that made me slow down that process. But I realized, you know, now it's like you make five connections and they bring you into every organization you could ever want to be in. And then the beautiful part is people leave their organization and go to another organization and sell ultrasound for somebody else. And then they bring me along. Then I get another 10 reps. And so before you know it, like literally you have three people you started with turns into 30 people that are sending you business because some of them start their own business, some of them move on. And you just start this snowball effect of networking with people that can send you your ideal clients. Your strategy is awesome. I'm curious if you decide maybe for the next week to not work four hours per day, is your business going to fall on its face? No, because I don't have to stay in front of anybody. They call me with the deals. They message me when they need a deal. And so all I do is if there's return a phone call or return an email and say, yeah, but here's the beautiful part also about the model. I already arm my MVPs, my sales reps with everything they need. They have a copy of the credit application. They have the quoting tool. They really don't need me at all. The only time they need me is once the application comes in and my credit team's working on the file. You know, hey, hey, Tim, we got the application in. Things are looking good. I'll have an update for you tomorrow. That's it. For example, I'm going to Patagonia at the south of south tip of Argentina. I'll be off the grid for, I don't know, a month, two months. I'm not worried because I got my email. I got my phone. doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a model that is very low touch. You've really thought about this and put the systems in place to allow you to step away, which is what we all want. I think a lot of solopreneurs or I'm not saying that you're a solopreneur, but anyone who's in business, they feel like if they step away from the business, like it's just going to come crashing down. Right. And that's what you, that's where you want to be in business. And you do not need to have a massive team to, to be able to do that. Right. You just need to have the right systems and processes in place. And it sounds like you got that dialed in big time. Good on you. Yeah. You do not need a team with this business. This is a purely solopreneur business. If you want it to be, you want to build a team? Sure, you can. Um, my whole thing is, again, I like my time because I know I die. So I want to be able to get the most fruit out of my life. Mm-hmm. And if I'm after the manage employees or or people, it's just, it's not necessarily the, the lifestyle I want. But I understand some people are just built differently and they enjoy that. They're more, you know, builders and planners. And I, I value my freedom more than anything. Yeah, I love it. It's really, really great message. Now you teach this to other entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs. Talk a little bit about that because I think a lot of people are connecting with what you say who are in W-2 jobs. Again, they're allergic to authority and you know they maybe they want to create something very similar to what you've done. Yeah, most of the success in this business for people that are coming from outside of it, it's really, and this is quite frankly, success in any business. It comes down to people know what to do. They just don't do it. And what I help them with is the accountability piece because it's very simple what we do. We just reach out to people that sell the equipment on LinkedIn or on Google. It's just simple messages, simple DMs, and you start conversations. And that's it. And you do that for a few hours a day. And the problem is most people know what to do, like I was saying, but they just don't do it. So with my program is, you know, we have weekly accountability. 
to make sure you're on track. You're doing your reach outs. You're, you're having conversations. If you have any questions, we can have those answered because there's only five or six questions we get over and over again about a product or service. It's not like there's 30 different questions. It's very simple stuff. My students just need to know that we can answer their questions and that they'll be held accountable to execute on what we tell them to execute on. So it's just beautiful to have people that never even heard of equipment finance, because even when I first got into the industry, I didn't know people financed equipment. I didn't think it was a thing. I thought people just went to the bank. But if you look around the world, most things are brokered. Most things are not uh, completely vertically integrated. I'm just happy that I'm able to share this with people that aspired to have the freedom, the lifestyle of you know, financial time and location and mental freedom, because we do die. We forget about like life is very short. If you want to be with your kids at the baseball game, please be there. If you want to work for home on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, do that. Like do whatever is going to make you light up. And I'm just happy that we get to share this and make people. One of my students said the other day, he said, I never knew what it meant to have money like this. Because most people are just living check to check. You might make 100, 200 grand a year, but you're spending 200 grand. And he's like, I don't even know what to do with this excess $200,000 that I have over the last year. So he's trying to figure out how to invest. And he's like, I never thought that I would have this type of capital that I'm looking to invest in other projects. And so that's what I'm looking for, where you start to get leverage on not only a, a business model, but also leverage on your life. Do what you want to, not what you feel you have to. I always like that. But you said something, you know, people know what to do. And I say that all the time too. Like you, you all know what to do. You're just not doing it. So why do you think they don't do it? I think the main reason people don't do it is fear. And it's fear of two things. One, the outside world, either their friends and family don't want them to do it or they're fearful of them or they think they'll fail. Or what if I do fail in front of my friends and family or my peers or my colleagues? That's number one. Mm -hmm. But the bigger one is they've never built the muscle to trust themselves. And so when you don't trust yourselves, you believe that you don't want to fail for yourself because then you're going to have to look in the mirror at this quote unquote loser. And so it's just quote unquote safer to stay in your nine to five and then have regrets when you're 95 years old. I think it's way less safe to take that route. The, the, the most dangerous thing in the world is to stay at a nine to five because of the fact that you die later. It doesn't make any logical sense at all. So that's why people don't take action. And I just encourage people and inspire them to realize you start to build that muscle of action taking bit by bit, day by day, moment by moment. And it snowballs and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then your identity changes. You become the type of person that takes action every day before noon. And in the afternoon, do whatever the hell you want. That's the, that's the beautiful yin and yang of this business model is you, you're focused on one thing for a portion of the day, a small portion of the day. And then in the afternoon and in the evening, live your life, have fun with your friends and family, your kids or whatever. Think about your business, how you can make it better, how you can iterate on it. But do not think about anything besides the thing you're supposed to be doing during that four hour block. You don't analyze it. You don't judge it. You don't think about it until after. And most people, they judge it, analyze it before they even started. How do you know if it's going right or wrong because you don't have any context? You have no data. Get data, then we can talk about how we can tweak it. 
Spot on, man. People don't believe in themselves and they're worried about what other people are going to think. And I always tell people, nobody cares about you. They don't. And, and you don't need any. And I don't mean to, to say that in a demeaning way, but if you ever listen to, if you get advice from somebody, they say this, I wouldn't do that if I were you. They're saying what they're projecting their fear onto you. I wouldn't leave that job if I were you. I also agree about the W2. I mean, they can come in tomorrow and fire you. No reason. You don't need any reason unless you work for the government or something, then you know you can't. But most people are at risk. Take control of your life and who, who cares? Who cares what people think? Right. It's only it only matters what you think. But I'm glad you answered. I'm glad I asked you that you answered it uh, beautifully. I think a lot of people are interested in this. The ones who don't think, oh, this guy's crazy. Four hours a day. That's nuts. So where can we go to learn more? Because it really sounds like you've built an amazing life for yourself, Jermaine. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So they can learn more at creatorslearn.com, like creators of the universe learn.com. And because I always believe like life is about creatorship. And as entrepreneurs and salespeople, we create things out of thin air, literally. Like this podcast was created by you. And we here had a, we created a conversation and there is an art to a conversation. There's listening, there's pausing, there's reflection, there's just trusting yourself, whatever comes out will sound okay. And so my whole concept behind the Cold Creators Learn thing is that I wanna give people the tools and the resources and the ideas and the systems to create the business and life that they love. I know this business model because it's the only business model I've ever done. And really it's 90% mindset, 10% systems and strategies. So if they are interested, go to creatorslearn.com. I probably the most active on LinkedIn as well. Mm -hmm. And you'll find out more about me and what, what I believe in and how I think, because I'm pretty transparent about my thoughts. We'll leave those links all in the show notes for the listeners. Jermaine, as we wrap up here, this has been really, really great. And I think you've given up people, the, the listeners, a lot to think about, my, myself included. Thank you. Anything that, do you have anything that you want to leave us with? Like, give us your best stuff here at the end as we, as we close with up. Maybe it's a quote or something that you love or a saying that you love. I always like to inspire the audience. So I mean to put you on the spot. So give us, give us your best stuff now. People always say this is kind of funny because I've gone on a lot of the podcasts. They're like, well, give us your best shtick and give us your best you know, line. And I don't really have any lines. I just make it up as I go. What, one of my favorite, you, you jog my memory about quotes. One of my favorite quotes is most men live a life of quiet desperation. And I think it's by Henry Thoreau. When I think about quiet desperation is it's true. Everybody, including myself, lives a life quiet, not quiet desperation. And the reason why I say that is there's no pinnacle. There's no top of the mountain. You never get there. It never ends. And so once you realize that there are levels to life and there's, and there's mountains to climb, once you stop climbing and once you stop, you give up, once you settle, once you become comfortable, you start to slowly die. And I think that's what Thoreau was talking about is you're quiet, but you're desperately wanting more. I just don't ever want that for myself. And so anytime I start to feel that way and everyone feels it, because there's, there's ebbs and flows in life, right? And whenever I feel that, I start to get super, super clear, super, super disciplined about what's the next hill? Where, what, how else can I grow and become a different version of myself? And I just implore anyone listening to this is, you know, tap into yourself and, and you know, get a journal. I, I take Sundays off most Sundays and I just have a journal. I have no devices and I just let whatever comes out, come out. And usually it's the stuff about this quiet desperation is like, why am I scared to do this new thing? 
And I always realize I have to follow my fear because on the other side of that fear, that is exactly where you go. That is that deep, dark cave. You have to go down. And if anyone always you know, wonders what they should do next, I always ask them, what do you fear the most? And whatever they say, I say, do that. So if you are fearful of starting your own business, this is the thing you got to do. Even if it's only part-time, start slow. Don't make it so risky that you can't sleep at night, but you know, start somewhere because you don't want to die desperate. No, no. Beautiful. Run towards the fear. I love it. I'm glad I asked that question that you get asked every time you go on a podcast. So you, you nailed it. Everyone, make sure you go to Jermaine's LinkedIn and creators, give it again, creatorslearn.com. There it is. To learn more, this has been awesome. I appreciate you. Thanks for coming on. Everyone, make it a great day.